Hey game friends, GM John here. Ravenloft Tiny Terrors is a spooky, silly podcast that may contain scenes that aren't appropriate for all listeners. As always, all specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the episode descriptions. We're using the Sword and Sorcery Ravenloft books from the early 2000s, as well as the Pathfinder First Edition role-playing system to play this game. This podcast was actually recorded before Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft for a fifth edition was printed, so if you're using that book, things will be a little different here. In lieu of referring you to books that may be out of print, if you want to learn more about Ravenloft and the background of the podcast's world, make certain to check out the Fraternity of Shadows, home of Ravenloft on the internet, at www.fraternityofshadows.com. With no further ado, we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Real Play Games Podcast, the podcast where I, your game master, John, run my friends through a bunch of tabletop role-playing games, some of them pretty popular and some of them fairly obscure. Tonight is actually going to be our 10th episode of Ravenloft, Tiny Terrors. Rue, Harm, how excited are you folks to be getting towards the end of this? I'm real excited to get out of the Nightmare Lands. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of these nightmare places. Well, little worried. They're going to get trapped or die in the Nightmare Lands. <laughs> well, you know what happens in the Nightmare Lands stays in the Nightmare Lands, don't you? Oh, poor Erasmus. That was just a joke. I'm messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get to leave. How horrific would it be if they like jump through and he just gets stuck behind? They just spend the rest of their lives trying to get back to the Nightmare Lands because they know their son's stuck there. That would, that would be really horrifying. Yeah, I'm sure surrounded by all of our enemies that we're going to make along the way. <laughs> Knowing how the two of you work, absolutely, you will have made enemies by the time you leave this place. Yeah, that's my biggest fear is if we have to meet all eight of these people, if he's going to be making probably seven enemies and one friend, that'd be my guess. Well, let's go ahead and recap what happened last episode. After arriving in the Nightmare Lands... You found yourselves on what were known as the Rocky Shoals, which was a very rocky area near the sea that surrounds the Nightmare Lands. You headed up a series of cliffs and during doing so encountered what you thought was a sailor who claimed to be running from gray beings who then tried to attack you folks. During that attack, the sailor revealed himself to be a higher form of one of these beings, a being known as a shadow morph and tried to attack Lupo and sucked some of his intelligence away before you dispatched him and ran off a lot of the gray morphs that had tried to attack you. After that, you ventured to a place called the Ring of Dreams, where hundreds upon hundreds of actual dreams hung in midair in a bunch of spheres that circled around the place, and managed to get a little bit of rest in order to heal up and refill Lupo's spells before you headed out to what is known as the Forest of Everchange, it had been a subtropical jungle when you had reached it, 
But by the time you were halfway through venturing through it, it had become an abandoned town. While you were in this abandoned town, you were attacked by a large mass of nightmare creatures, only to have them warded off by an Abershaman known as Talks to Herself. Once you had a conversation with the shaman and learned a little bit more about the Nightmare Land's cells, you were taken to an area where a home had been built, and inside you found Dr. Gregorian Ilhausen of Nova Vasa, as well as his son Erasmus and his wife Carolyn. Emphasizing the name, I see. Yeah, 100%. She absolutely has a name. Look, I have random NPCs that have names. So yes, she 100% has a name. I was just going to bring it up when it was pertinent because she didn't say anything last episode. You may have. I just may have forgotten. It's fine. (laughs) And after having a discussion with his wife, Dr. Ilhausen volunteered to go with his son and Iffy and Lupo to escort the cousins to the entrance to the city of Nod, which is where we pick up now. We're at the entrance to the city? It's you traveling there. The trip itself is relatively quick. The portion of the forest of the Everchange that you travel through seems to be one that both Dr. Ilhausen and his son know very, very well, despite the fact that it changes continually. And they manage to get you to what you would call the outskirts of the city, which is a very desolate, kind of windswept moor area. And you can see the basalt walls and buildings of the city beyond you. As he slows down, he says, I dare not take you any farther than here right now, but you should be able to get inside of the city fairly easily. If you trust the map and at least assume that the general locations on them are correct, it should be helpful for you. Do we want to go to the asylum first? Yeah, so we have to go to the ghettos, right? Yes. Okay. I thank him. And how are they going to find us if we can find a way out? The shaman. Talks to herself. She has promised that she will do everything in her power to let us know if you are successful in your ventures. She said she will try and follow you as best as she can when she can. Okay, cool. And we're trying to find her shadow self, right? Yes, her dream self. We just have to touch it to send it back, right? Yeah, but we don't know where it might be. So hopefully it's on the way to the asylum. Yeah. So yeah, where is that related to us? And what does the city look like? Yeah, I want to look around. As you go and move towards the city proper, you can see Ilhausen and his son heading back towards the forest of Everchange. And the closer you get to the city, the more you can feel an eerie sensation start wafting over you. This place is unimaginably old. It also appears by and large vacant, except for the occasional wailing noise and screams that you'll hear coming from seemingly inside of abandoned buildings as you're moving through. We're not even near the ocean but not that kind of wailing. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell as you're walking through this place, these buildings are a hodgepodge of a bunch of different buildings from a bunch of different cultures. And in a lot of places, they're packed almost incredibly claustrophobically, whereas in other areas, they have lanes that are seemingly far too wide to be necessary for any type of city that was designed for a purpose. I'm beginning to really appreciate halfling architecture and city planning. (laughs) (laughs) And ahead of you, you actually finally do start seeing a figure. It is a semi-transparent human man wearing what look like a silken tunic and a pair of trousers that match one another. You guys know them to be pajamas. 
and he looks very confused. The cap that he has on the top of his head kind of droops a little bit as he looks around in a disturbed fashion, like he doesn't quite know where he is. He's going to give him a wave and a smile because she's friendly. Do I think this is like someone who just fell asleep? Give me knowledge the planes check on that one. That's why I didn't even have iffy guess. And I'm going to give you an additional plus two on that one because you've made a couple of successful checks last episode that are germane to this. Ten for altogether, 21. You know that this is a dreamer that has somehow managed to get outside of their dream and is now walking in their dream state through the city of Nod. Oh. You tell me about that? Yeah, I don't know if this is good. Because if he's out of his dream, do you think he he wake up? I don't know. What happens if you don't stay in your dream? Um, this happens. What happens? That you don't know because you didn't have a high enough score. Maybe we, maybe we should wake him up. Yeah, let's. I'll wave him over. See if he's or be like, "Hey, how are you?" Hello. He looks surprised when both of you end up speaking to him. And he slowly starts wandering over to you. He, it looks like he's very tired. And as he comes closer, he says, what are you folks doing here? You're so colorful. What are you doing here? Oh, I was at my grandmother's house, even though she's been gone a long time. But I was a boy again, and I was playing with my favorite doll. It was very fun. Are you children? If he giggles like a kid would. <laughs> to some people. You shouldn't be out here by yourself. This place is really strange. We're worried waking him up is going to be bad. Because if you die in your dream, don't you wake up? I think if you die in your dream, don't you die in real life? 50-50 chance we're operating on Nightmare on Elm Street properties right here. (laughs) I usually dream about being a wolf, so I don't die. Should I tell him he's asleep? As you're trying to think about what to say to him, he says, do you hear that? That's what I'm trying to find the sound. Neither of you have to make checks. You can hear a very baroque, very lightly drifting music coming from the distance. And you realize for the first time that you've begun getting close to one of the landmarks that had been marked off on the map for you. It's the one that you had had to traverse through to get towards where the ghettos are located. And as you're doing so, give me perception checks. There is one thing I want to see. Ooh, that's a 19 for 29. I got a 19 total. Lupo, you notice it first, and it's fairly easy for you to point out to Iffy. There is a greater amount of blood than you had been following previously, but you know again from the tracks that it looks like Stella Conaveri has been through this way. Do the tracks go towards the sound or around it? or The tracks go off in the distance towards where the sound is, but then the blood starts to fade away again. There's no more after about 20 feet where you find another patch of it. I'm going to ask the guy, are you, can I poke him with my telekinesis? You try to telekinetically poke him and it just goes right through him. He's not really there. Are you headed towards the noise? Yeah, I was going to go over and see what was going on. I like music. I don't think you should. You should head away from it. I mean, it can't be so bad. There's nobody here except for you two and you seem nice. Were you scared before you got here? No, I was in a great dream. You ever think you might still be dreaming? Oh, I didn't realize that. Pinch yourself? He reaches out and does so, and as he goes to pinch himself, he disappears. I hope we helped him and didn't just kill him. 
Oh yeah. no! <laughs> the last thing you see is a big look of surprise on his face as he goes to pinch himself and then disappears from sight. That would be such a normal dream to have, though. You're like in a, an abandoned city with a weird noise. You see some creepy kids, and I was like, "Do you think you're dreaming?" And then you like wake up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done all we can do. <laughs> <laughs> Hope we didn't kill him. <laughs> the noise is where the blood is, right? Yes. It was going um, off in the direction where the noise is, correct? That's it there. Yep. It's very easy to see what location you have chanced upon. You knew it was going to be one of two, but you didn't realize you'd be crossing over this one quite so quickly. The carnival? Um, before we get there, I'm going to cast Protect from Evil Communal. The 30. Okay, so I'm going to put two a minute per level, so three and three on both of us. Just keep your dog within 10 feet. Okay. And that's a plus two protection from evil or plus one? It is plus two to AC and plus two on saves. Okay. And you can't be... Mind controlled. Mind controlled. Yeah, the only reason Stella Conaberry got you is because yours had worn off shortly before you reached her when you were in the sanatorium in Mordalshire. Yeah. Okay. As you start heading towards it, The Ghost Dancers Theater rises above the other buildings in the area by a great deal. It stands out because it's made of a whitish colored marble, but it very clearly looks dingier and more worn down than some of the similar buildings that aren't made out of this material in the area. You can see that there's booths outside that look like places where one would go to maybe purchase entry for it. There's even little bars in between the booths that seem to have to be pushed through in order to get inside a slightly damaged set of lights that the two of you are certain must be magical given the colors that they have inside of them they look like glass with neon pink colors it says the ghost dancers theater some of the lights flicker for a moment on the marquee sign on it but they light up relatively consistently you can see a tiny speck of blood that looks like stella may have headed here You're not certain if it ventured inwards or if it went elsewhere from here because the streets continue to snake down away from here as well. If we go around this place, can we get to the asylum? Yeah, if you circumvent this place, you will then go towards the Spire of Sleep and then you'll have to go to the ghettos to get towards the asylum. But if we go through here, it's this place and then the ghettos? It looks like this place, based on the map you have, would lead towards the ghettos as well. Yeah. That's the fastest way. Let's go see what you have to pay to get in. Well, as you head closer towards these booths where you think you would have to pay to provide entrance, you can see they've got a counter similar to the one that you had encountered when you were in Damaliu at the House of Wax. But the glass on them is cracked and cobwebbed. There is nobody in the counters. Well, can we just go in? Yeah, you push these little metal arms that actually swing around and go right over your head. You don't even have to push it, technically, if he... Oh, then I don't. Yeah, I just duck under. Yeah, Lupo, you would have to duck a little bit more or just push it to rotate it past. Because I think, yeah, I don't want to get hit in the head. I just know that because when I was a kid, I hit myself in the face with one of those things. Oh, no. Turnstile? Yes. Oh, no. Another dog will just, like, pull themselves through. Yeah, they'll they'll just leap over it, honestly. And as you start heading inside, this is an immaculately decorated place, but you can see that it's decorated very nicely, but in complete disrepair. 
all of the furnishings are moldering. There are what look like posters as you're walking through a hallway area inside of here. None of them are really legible because of the spots of black and brown and green mold that are kind of spreading all over them. All the tapestries are moth-eaten. And there's an immediate powerful smell of rot to this place. Your dogs are upset. I'm upset. I'm upset. We have good perception. We're, we're keen-scented. Yeah, we're very upset. Let's hurry. As you yeah. head towards the actual theater portion, you've seen theaters before. They have them in Darkon, but nothing this big. This place is gargantuan compared to the scale that you folks are accustomed to. Well, maybe smaller is better if it doesn't smell like this. You start heading inside, and I want you to both give me perception checks as you walk through the doors. 19. Well, the 15 for a 25. Lupo, you notice one thing that Ify does not, and that is one of the standout inhabitants of this theater. You do see Talks to Herself's dream self. It's an exact duplicate of Talks to Herself sitting in one of the theater seats inside of this place. Both of you see something that explains the rotting smell almost immediately. This entire auditorium, vast, baroquely sculpted, and with just enough dim lighting for you to get a relatively good glimpse of what's going on, although there is a spotlight currently moving around the stage as well. It looks like there's a performer on there. Every single audience member is an undead creature, and this place is packed. You point out the dream self? Can I poke the dream self with my telekinesis? No, you're too far away. It's located three rows down and two sets of rows away from you. So you guys would have to go approximately 100 feet in order for you to get close enough that you could try and get their attention. Is there a way to avoid as many undead as possible? Be sneaky about it? Well, here's the thing. All the undead appear to be focused on the show that's going on on stage. A lot of them at least the ones that can make vocalizations, are laughing. Oh, that probably sounds awful. Okay, so let's just quietly move around the back of the theater to get closer. Yeah, let's put out the light, but I'm like, I'm not doing light right now. Were we able to sneak around the edge of the theater? Give me two stealth checks. <laughs> this place is scary. 17. 16. Okay, do either of you have the language necril? No. I don't believe so. Okay. You can see on the stage, you would call it a jongleur or a clown. It looks like their face is made up. They're wearing a very jaunty costume and they're doing a juggling routine while they're saying things. And it appears to be making the crowd laugh, but you don't understand the language that they're speaking. If he feels left out and sad, if he really is sad that she doesn't get to hear it, she really wants to know what's so funny. Lupo, you noticed because you did so well on your perception check. The things that it's juggling are what appear to be body parts. Are we close enough that I can telekinetically poke the lady? Well, here's what happens. You manage to scurry around the backs of these seats, and all the undead inside of the seats appear completely absorbed with this routine. Whatever he's saying is knocking them undead again. You slip around to the row talks to herself's dream self is located in. You're going to try and touch her telekinetically, right? Yeah. As you do so, she pops her head around for a moment and then notices you and then goes, oi, oi, oi. It looks like it's going to be a good show. This lad's funny. I'm going to whisper, your wake self wants you back. Oh, bugger. And as she's saying that, a spotlight descends on the two of you and your two dogs from the stage. 
And you can see another one focusing on the juggler that's on the stage as he starts speaking and he has an incredibly loud voice. And you understand what he's saying at this point, although it feels like he's not really speaking any language that you know. It's more like you feel it in your heads. And he says, well, who do we have here? Looks like a couple of interlopers. And as he says that, every single head in the audience turns towards the two of you and your dogs. I'm going to have a nightmare about this tonight. Watch. If he waves. <laughs> my shield is now in my hand. He starts bouncing from foot to foot on the stage and then hops down from the stage. Don't worry about this one, folks. I've got it handled. And the clown starts sprinting towards the two of you. And we're going to roll for initiative at this point. You can see the undead in the crowd are quite agitated. So you can run up and touch her and I'll deal with this dude. Okay, I got an 18. 11. Jesus. Iffy, you have the first action. Can I ask the dream self, can you help us out here? And then how far away is he? Wait, should I go for the spotlight on us? It'd be harder to see if you had to do that. Okay, I'm going to try and take out the light. Okay, give me an attack roll. You will have a minus two penalty on it because you're going to have to try and go outside your blast's normal range. That would be for an 18. Okay, go ahead and roll for your damage on that. You send the tarnished and greening brass knob flying off of the end of one of the poles that holds the little cords that were usually used for blocking areas off. For 14. 14? Yeah. The light shatters and goes out, and it's still dimly lit in here, but at least the spotlight is literally off of you for the moment. At this point, you can see Toxter herself get up on top of her seat, and then she leaps up and tries to run across the backs of some of the seats and head towards you folks. However, she's still semi-intangible, so she steps up on the top of the seat, passes through and then looks around for a moment and starts running through some of the undead <laughs> that are in the aisle. She actually manages to get close enough to you that she's standing literally right next to you at this point, Effie. Can you help? Oi, oi, I mean, I can't touch him or nothing, but I got a little magic because I can try. Thank you. Yesser's holding until he gets within range of Yesser. You see the clown start leaping across the seats, much in the way that Toxter herself had tried to do, but he's much, much better at it and also incredibly solid. You can see him reaching inside of one of his moldering pockets. The closer you get, the more you realize that this is an undead creature, and he pulls out what looks like a pie. Oh, I don't like that. He's still too far away to throw it at you, but if he, he points directly at you and he says, I'm going to get you right in the face. Rude. Is he within 30 feet of me? No. Also, he runs faster than you two do. And you can see some of the undead in the seats surrounding this area appear to be getting agitated. It looks like a couple of them are getting up and starting to head towards you. Here we go. I, I'm going to start heading back, really pulling the dog with me. Well, but before I do, I'm going to like reach up to touch you for both strengths. Ooh. 85, so I am going to cast it. So I'll give you bolstering, and I'll move back with Gorger. So you're thinking we should get out of here? I think we should get away from being surrounded by undead. Yeah. Does it seem like the clown's going to get to us before we can get out? It, I mean, yeah, it definitely seems like if you don't get faster than him, he's going to get to you very quickly. Is he faster than our dogs? 
He does not appear to be running faster than your dogs can run. Oh, yeah. Maybe you should touch her and she could go back. I think she can go back already, right? She hasn't yet. Because she's in a fight with us, possibly. Yeah. And it's maybe the only way to kill this thing. Maybe if we kill this thing, it'll help the place. Or maybe killing it will send all of the undead after us. Maybe. Do you want to kill the clown or do you want to run? Both? Oh, yeah, that I wanted to get away from the undead by being fully surrounded first. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to do a retreat with Yes, Sir, I guess. I, I've never retreated before. So, what is that? How? I mean, at that point, you're basically hopping on Yes, Sir and then fleeing. Yeah, but he'll get to Lupo in his next round, won't he? No, not if, not if the both of you are running away on top of your dogs. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, let's run away on our dogs, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that and head towards the ghettos. Come on, dream self. <laughs> or go back to your other self. You wave a hand through her and all of a sudden she disappears. And you can hear from the very entrance to the place. Oi, 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 oi. You okay in there? No. <laughs> as you no. climb on top of your dog and start running away as quickly as possible. Now, the one thing that's very lucky is this undead is not faster than your wolf. <laughs> one of the bad things is he gets very frustrated. And you see his body shimmer for a moment as he leaps forwards and seems to disappear and then appears right in front of where you folks are directly running your wolves towards at the beginning foyer of this place. All right. And from behind, you can hear the undead are agitated enough now that they are getting up from their seats and starting to shuffle out towards you folks. Is he in the foyer? Correct, he is. And you can also see standing at the doorway that you folks had used to enter past where you had come through the turnstiles is talks to herself. Are there doors we can close from the foyer to the theater hall? There are. Okay. Yeah, we'll go there. Yeah, whose turn is it? Talks to herself, actually. She touches one of the tattoos along the side of her arm as she pulls up a bunch of furs and hides that she has on there. And you can see... It is a massive spear. And as it detaches from her body, it forms into a literal spear in her hand as she drops the staff that she normally carries. With one deft motion, she picks it up and throws it directly at the clown. Oh, wow. She skewers it right in the chest. Nice. She doesn't appear to hurt it much. She stabs it, but it looks like a very shallow stab. But the spear then flies back and into her hand again. Oh. Bonded. And Lupo, it is your turn. Move to the clown. Because like now, if he can get out of us, we're not going to get out. We'll get away. (laughs) Should we shut the doors to slow down the undead? Somebody's going to have to make an action to do that. You're still technically in initiative. He literally went from you two both trying to run to the front of the theater to getting to the front of the theater and continuing the fight with you. Are we both out of the main theater? Yeah, you are, again, in the foyer that you had entered after coming in from the front entrance of the place itself. Okay, so since we're both in there, I'm going to hog off and I'll close the doors. You go and Gorger helps you push one of the doors shut as you get on the other one and start shutting them. And you can see that there's a big, long bar that can go across there. Is this going to be a full round or can I do full strength on me too? It'll be a full round action. I'll do that then. If he's going to hop off and she's going to sling a thing at him, she's going to throw something at him. Okay, there's stacks of old musty playbills and other stuff like that in this area. So just think theater stuff. Yeah, she throws one of them at him. 
Okay, go ahead and give me your attack roll, please. Is he within 30 feet? At this point, yes. 26. I'm not going to give you the normal line. You know you're good. And then that's only for 10 points of damage. As you fling a big stack of moldering playbills right into his face, it hits and the playbills just fly off of his face. And he says, that tickled. I'm going to tickle you back. No. Gross. I look like a kid. Gesser would be guarding me is what he'll do since I have the guy's attention. You do. And holding up the pie, he says, this one's for you. And he flings it directly at you. Ify, what is your touch armor class? 15. Oh, wow. I'm mad at you now. At the last moment, you managed to duck, and this pie goes sailing over the spot where your head was just a moment ago. As it slams into some of the moldering carpet, you see it start eating a massive hole into the flooring. Oh, that's awful. And this theater pie is new. And he gives you a very exaggerated fists on his hips look and starts wagging his finger in front of you and says, no good, no good. At this point, it is talks to herself again. She starts walking forward. She shifts the spear into her non-dominant hand and you can see her casting some sort of spell. And then she reaches out and tries to touch this undead creature. And as she does so, a bluish light travels from her fingertips and up this creature's body, racking it with pain. She manages to get her hand right on its shoulder, and you can see that the bluish-white light that touches it just starts eating right through this thing's body. And you can see that what looked like a costume is actually this thing's flappy, loose skin. It makes me just think of, like, killer clowns from outer space. It's kind of like that, but undead. Yeah. Pop it in the nose. I'm going to hold out my hand toward the thing and summon the moon and moonbeam it. And it must make a fortitude save or be blinded, but I think I'm immune to that. Yeah, it's undead, so that won't really have any effect on it. You can see its decayed eyes have little pinpricks of light in them that indicate that you're not going to affect them normally. That is a 16. And that's a ranged touch attack, yes? Yes. That hits. For six damage. Radiant. You hit it with a bolt of hail lunar energy, and it does sear directly into its stomach. You can see that the moonlight power that you used is effective on this creature. Then I'm going to move forward with Gorgia to it as I pull out my weapons. Okay, so you're going to move into melee range with it? I, as I'm going to like start moving around it. So okay, so I, it'll I, take I, you then two move actions to get there. Yeah. Seeing what he's doing, if he's going to pull Wolfsong from her haversack and step up so that she's also in combat. Okay, if you can actually move into combat with him this round, you could flank him if you wanted to with talks to herself. Yes. Or can I I flank him with yes, sir? You can move yes, sir, and so you're doing that instead. Yes, sir has a lot of movement, so he can kind of circle around. Yeah, I would like to do that. Okay. So Yester and I are going to flank him. I'm going to use Wolf Song, which is my silver sword. And I'm going to attack. And I would only get one attack, right? Correct. But it'd be at your highest base attack bonus, plus mm-hmm. your flanking. That's a 17 plus four. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> you guys normally throw over 20s and I haven't said, oh, you missed. <laughs> okay. And that'll be for 
Okay, 1d10 plus 4. So that's for 11 damage. You cleave right into its left arm as it seems to be going into its pocket for something. You cut right at the elbow, almost halfway through its left arm. If he smiles, and I think Yeser will also attack. And if you notice, what's coming out of it looks like a mix of rotten entrails and cotton candy. Is that going to be bad for the dog? We've taught them not to eat these things. <laughs> yeah. Can he just, like, try and trip him without breaking the skin? <laughs> I don't want him to get poisoned. Yeah, you can try and have him do that. Okay, just, uh, he's going to attack and we'll have to hope that if something happens to him, talk to herself can help. Oh, yeah, he hits. That's an 18 plus a 10 plus a 4 for flanking. He hits. Wow. Yeah. Because like you said, it's it's all skin, so. Yeah. And that's for 14 damage. This creature's skin stretches in an unnatural fashion. It stretches far longer than you would anticipate it should do so as your dog is pulling on its leg. But eventually, some of the skin gives way. And it starts ripping at it. And you can see the exposed muscle and grossness underneath is long rotten. Is he able to do the trip? Give me a combat maneuver check for him. Mm, That's only 16. You unfortunately watch as he manages to wriggle out of the dog's grip before Yeser manages to take him down. So he does not get pulled off his feet. Okay. And it doesn't appear that this thing registers pain because every time it's been hurt so far, it just has taken it. But it points really sarcastically at your sword, Ify, and then motions down to its other pocket, the one that it can access with its right hand, and reaches in. And you see as it reaches in, it pulls out a hammer that is just so much bigger than you would imagine this thing would be carrying. Ify, as a person who regularly carries a weapon so much bigger than what people think she could be carrying, (laughs) is not impressed. (laughs) I did it first. That's what she says. (laughs) And it then reaches up and tries to bonk you on the head with the hammer. Must be expected. Okay, if he, yeah, it hits and just completely cracks down on the top of your head. You get smashed in the side of the left temple with it. You take seven points of damage, and I need you to go ahead and make a will save for me. That's not that much damage. It's not for one of those, right? You got a 15. Ify, this is the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in your entire life. Oh, no. Oh, cool. <laughs> you start laughing. Okay. And you just can't stop laughing. You are affected by... Oh, wait. Hold on. That's an enchantment compulsion spell, right? Yeah. You're still under the effects of protection from evil. So you yeah. start laughing and then realize this thing isn't funny at all. <laughs> And as you were getting shaky in the knees, you managed to fight this off. Oh, Rue, you son of a bitch. (laughs) I just remembered that she was still under the effects of that. And I'm so angry right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's such a good spell. (laughs) Especially against like undead things. Yeah. Uber protects her. (laughs) At this point. Talkster herself looks a little more mad now and raises the spear that she's carrying in both hands and just starts stabbing at this clown. This clown. (laughs) Unfortunately, he does a cartwheel backwards and nimbly manages to get out of the way of both of her thrusts from the magical spear tattoo that she's carrying. 
That makes it my turn, right? That makes it Lupo's turn. Hmm. Lupo, seeing his friend almost get magically taken care of, is going to move into flanking with one of them and begin to rage. Ooh, first rage. So Lupo, how do you rage? What what do you look like when you're doing that? How mad do you get? <laughs> He's like, don't mess with Evie! <laughs> <laughs> Pulls off of his veil and he's just so swole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so melee and then I'm flanking. Pretty fighter. Move in with my little claw. That is 27. Okay. Holy crap. <laughs> Angry little halfling. Oh, max damage of six. <laughs> nice. Eight, seven. When I rage, do I not get. Oh, wait, am I not raging? Hold on. Yeah, I was going to say, you should have more than a plus one when you're raging, unless you have like an eight strength. Uh, so yeah, it was plus three. So yeah, it was seven. It was seven all together. Seven all together. So you go and you move for a second as you've got just spittle flying out of your mouth, and you go as if you're going to swing your sickle to hit him in the arm that he's carrying the hammer in. He tries to move his arm away, but you pivot at the last moment, slash him right across the elbow. And you lop a portion of it off as he starts screaming. Again, more bugs and grossness come out of this thing. It's not in great shape at this point. And Ify, it's your turn. Well, Gorger's okay. going to attack you. Oh, yeah, yeah that's correct. Gorger. <laughs> Natural 20. No. Nice. Roll and confirm it. That would be a 28. Yeah, that confirms it. You needed a 19, so. I rolled a 19. Second attack. 18. Wow. You hold your shield up for a moment as Gorger leaps up and off of it and leaps over this creature, bites part of the side of its face and tears off a huge chunk of its face. He also gets his trip roll. Yes. Maybe of 20. At the last second, even as Gorger appears to be pulling this thing off of its feet by its face from the air. It just yanks its head back and allows Gorger to pull off part of its face meat. He's going to slash at him again. Boy, this thing has not gotten as much of a chance as I thought it was going to. I'm a little (laughs) disappointed in how this, like, out of all these fights. I only got like a 17. The first attack misses as you go low, and it does a little flip right over where your blade was aimed. But you have your second attack still. No, I rolled a one. Oh, Oh, iffy. As you try to correct yourself and go high, it brings the hammer down literally and flips Wolfsong right out of your hands. Into my eyes narrow. (laughs) And as you're narrowing your eyes, it reverses the swing of its hammer and tries to swing down on Lupo. Okay, so Lupo, what's your armor class now that you're raging? 19. I'm so mad at you still. I had a plus 10 to hit on that first one and I got a 3 on it. It swings (laughs) at you again. I'm a little turtle. (laughs) Is that including your uh, protection from evil? Yeah. Lupo, you're so angry that the second time it tries to swing down at you, you hook up with your hand scythe and just yank its hammerhead away so it's off balance and can't complete the strike. Talks to herself, tries spearing this thing again. 
She looks like she's a little concerned and starts moving to disengage as she's spearing it. Unfortunately, her spear thrust goes wide because this is too wild of a melee for her to get it in there effectively at this <laughs> point. Leave her alone! And that is an 18, so a 29. <laughs> Boy, that one level in Barbarian really pumped you up, didn't it? Again, I rolled a four, so a seven damage. Nice. <laughs> you go directly between this clown's legs. You sickle it in the butt. As you slash through, you rip it open from the bottom, and it just splits. Almost as soon as you do this, it starts to rot away at hyper-fast speed. And you hear pounding noises on the door that has been barred from what sounds like dozens of groaning undead behind it. Lupo, are you okay? I see it die kind of like, oh, yeah. Thanks for keeping me safe. He's proud of him. He's not always been a fighter, so <laughs> if he sees nothing wrong with his behavior. <laughs> I'm exhausted for, I think, three minutes. Why don't you get on Gorger and we should probably get out of here. Talk to yourself. Do you know a way to get us to the ghettos a little bit easier? We're trying to get to the asylum. You could get to the ghettos from here if you start going that direction. And she starts pointing as you're out the doorway. I was going around by myself when I was out here trying to find my own dream self. I saw the woman you was looking for. Oh, where's she? She's by the spire. All right. Do we head for the spire? Yeah. Thank you. Does his hammer remain? No, it dissolves as his body starts to necrotize and dissolve even further. You want to keep coming with us? I'm going to ask, talk to herself. But do you search the body? Yeah, I'll search really quick. Yeah. Okay. I rolled a one. I have fatigue, so yeah, 26. I'm too enamored by talk to herself to be really searching. I keep looking at her. As you watch talks to herself, merge the spear that she was carrying back onto her arm and think it's just one of the coolest things in the world. Yeah. Lupo, you are searching this creature and it had a potion on it. Oh. What kind? I'll spellcraft it really quick. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's an uh, arrow eight. Yep. You're not sure what kind of potion this is. Does talks to herself knows? She looks over at it once and just kind of shakes her head to the negative. Hey, do you want to come with us to the spire? Or are you hurt too? Yeah, I was only hurt for seven though. Let me see. Oh, I healed you seven. Okay, cool. With my wand. So as you use your wand and a simple triggering spell to heal up all the damage that Iffy had sustained from getting clocked in the side of the head by a massive clown mallet, talks to herself, says, Oi, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go find the family. I'm going to get them gathered up so we can try and get them out of here once we know what you folks are doing. All right. We'll head out and find that lady. And before you go, she hands over an item to you, Iffy. Oh, what is it? It is a whitish blue gem. Okay, thank you. Is it just pretty or does it do something else too or? Oh, it's got a spirit bound in here. I think it wants to die. It wants to die? Yeah, from what I heard from the spirit, it told me. It said I'm not of this place. I thought, of course, it must be a rogue thought or something, but it's very insistent upon that matter. It says to crack the stone whenever you get the chance so you can die. It wants to die in glorious battle. Oh. Can I talk to the stone? You cannot, Iffy. <laughs> you don't have any kind of spirit abilities or knowledge or anything that would let you really communicate with it that. breaks easier than a normal rock would, I'm assuming? 
you can snap it with your hands. He's like like a Kit Kat bar, you know? <laughs> Just bite right into the whole thing. Like a monster. Thank you. I appreciate it. I didn't have the heart to do it because I didn't want to have to kill the thing. Yeah. I think we'll probably fight stuff that'll kill it. So hope that's what it really wants. She motions the way for you to reach the spire of sleep, which is where she had seen Stella headed towards. All right. I didn't want to go to spire of sleep, but let's head to the spire of sleep. Let's go. I think I'm done being fatigued. Well, by the time you would reach there, you would certainly be finished being fatigued anyhow. She would have thanked him, too, for all the spells that he's been doing. Like, Lupo's really been supporting them through this. And if he's appreciative. <laughs> While we're heading there, I'll do protection from evil. Right as we're arriving? Yeah. Oh, missed one. Okay, I had to use two spell slots, but I'm looking for blood. Well, you notice quite a bit of it. I'm not even going to make you roll for it. And it's more in dragging patterns now. Whoever was bleeding, which, of course, you're pretty certain you know who it is at this point, was on their last legs. How much blood did she have in her? She walked, like, miles just bleeding and bleeding. Do you think that's magic or... Something else can want to keep me alive, too. There's been a lot of undead. As you're moving, eventually the streaks from where the dragging was kind of stops. Even as you see the buildings along the sides of you start spreading outwards, and you see an incredibly large stone tower off in the distance in front of you. Far off in the distance, nearing the tower, it looks like the tower has a moat with a drawbridge going across it. And you're not certain how close they are to the tower and the moat and everything, but they're much closer than you. There's a figure that looks a lot like Dr. Stella Canaveri had been dressed. They are just crumpled on the ground. I moved to them. Yeah, let's go look up. While keeping an eye out. Go ahead. Give me perception checks. 17. I'm real focused on her. 15. Lupo, still thinking about all the money that he had given to this woman that he wants to get back, is more (laughs) concentrating on that situation. If you realize something that Lupo doesn't, however, you had, for the most part, heard at least a couple of sounds in the city, even if they were just screams and groans and other nasty sounds in the distance. It is so quiet here. It is almost deafening. You notice how quiet it is? What? Real quiet. Does he notice once I pointed out? He would. As you're getting closer to this figure, you realize it looks like they are just literally dragging themselves by their fingers towards this spire and the bridge that goes across to it. Once the two of you have gotten within about 100 feet, you see something emerge from the spire. It is a coffin, and inside of it is a man. The front of it is totally translucent. And you can see that he is wearing a monocle that is shaped exactly like the one that Stella Canaveri had as he flies in this coffin towards the three of you. How close are we to Stella? About 100 feet away. She charged. Should we rush her to get the monocle? Yes, I think so. Okay, can I see the monocle on her at all? We're going to go ahead and make an initiative check really quickly because I want to see if Either of you can get there before he does. He is moving very quickly in that flying coffin. 19. That was an eight, you said, Rue? Yeah. Unfortunately, the two of you are not fast enough to get there before the figure in the coffin does. Stella Conaveri's body lifts up by the chain that the monocle was being held on, 
that's around her neck. As the two of you move somewhat closer to this, you can tell the figure in the coffin does not have its eyes open, but you see the monocle fly upwards and move over Stella's face, and she starts screaming very weakly. It appears she doesn't have a whole lot of gas left, given all the blood that she's lost again. No, I was supposed to be your hero. And as she says that, you see the figure's eye open, and Stella screams as the monocle flies forwards and into her face. And then you hear it. It seems to emanate from the ground and the entirety of the area surrounding you. (laughs) Then the coffin jerks backwards and flies back through the spire and disappears. With the monocle? No. Oh, cool. Can I go up and get closer to her? As you start moving up and getting closer to Stella's immobile form, you see her twitch violently. Monocle still around her neck? No, the last you saw it, it had been being thrown into her face. Oh, hmm. I'm going to get off of a yes, sir. Yeah, I'm going to get down and I'm going to walk over to you and I will try to cast bull strength. I don't like this. Yeah, I don't like this either. That means I'm good. Here, yeah, bull strength. And Lupo, as the spells to the incantation that you cast on your cousin leave your lips, you see the body of Dr. Stellicana very jerk backwards and rock onto the backs of her feet. How's she looking? Well, as she bends her body over and ends up doing a crab walk in front of you. Uh, Oh, not good. Not good. You can see that a hole has been punched directly in the middle of her face that has pushed the majority of her facial features inward. Oh, no. And all you can see on the inside of her face now is a glowing coffin-shaped orifice filled with a sickly green light and so many teeth. Awesome. What the monocle does? Why do people want to own it? I want everybody to roll for initiative at this point. (laughs) 20. 22. I rolled a natural 20. You guys, Lupo, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> the hardest part when you get the top initiative is being like well what the hell do i do <laughs> seeing this i'm gonna divine favor myself we're just here for the monocle <laughs> what do you yell as you divine favor yourself <laughs> rock. <laughs> moon help me <laughs> okay so as your spell begins taking effect iffy it is your turn how far away is she You had been moving closer towards her, so we'll say you're within 30 feet. However, there is not really anything around that you can utilize to fling at her other than the adamantine spheres you're carrying or any other items you happen to have on you. This place is remarkably barren. I'm going to go ahead and throw one at her. I think I'm going to do a point of burn to do the bull rush thing on her. Okay. To push her a little further back. All right. I really should learn how to make magical dog biscuits so that, like, so the dogs can eat. Okay, so that is a 19 plus 9 to hit. Hey, hey, that's a lot. Did good. So that's 9 plus 7, so 16 damage, and then I wanted to do the pushy thing. Go ahead and roll your combat maneuver check for it. And remember, you're using your constitution in place of your strength modifier. So basically, I believe that gives you a plus 2 additional on top of your normal CMB. Okay, so that's a 14 plus 8 plus 2. 
you fling her off of her feet. Stay down. <laughs> yeah, she she manages to land on her feet as you blast her backwards, but she goes 10 feet from where you had hit her with that sphere. Cool, that gives us a little bit of space. Yeah, you can see where the sphere hit her. It's currently lodged inside of her body still. There's no blood or anything coming from the wound, though. Clearly, she has none left to give. And I'm going to have Yeser guard me. The thing that used to be Stella Conaberry has had a very, very bad day. And it turns its gaze towards you, if you're what you assume is its gaze from that toothy, glowing maw on its face. And you see it start making weird choking motions for a moment. And you know, as a dog owner, exactly what's about to happen. Oh, no. Yeah, throw up. We all five foot step back. (laughs) Go ahead. Iffy, I want you to give me and have Yeser give me reflex saves. Ooh. Wait, me too? No, because this is a line. Okay. So I got an 18 reflex save. Okay. Yeser got a 25. Wow. Yeah, he's so much better than I am. He has evasion, right? He does have evasion. Yeah. Yeah, so he takes no damage whatsoever from this attack. Unfortunately, Iffy, you are hit by a black viscous substance that emerges from the gaping maw that spreads open in the middle of her face. And as you're hit with it, you realize that if it wasn't for the spell that your cousin had put on you, something would probably be happening to your mind, too. This stuff, for as bad as it burns as it hits you, smells so good. Lupo, this is some weird stuff. Don't get it on you. And from there, she starts backing up a little bit further, as if she's trying to figure out exactly what she's going to do next. Is this thing an undead? Do I know? Give me a knowledge religion check. I'll let you do that as part of your action for the round. You're not raging, so. Yeah. Uh, 26. It is not an undead creature. Oh, no. Okay. And so it's my turn, right? It is still your turn, correct. I'm going to touch Gorger and do Magic Fang on him. Uh, That's a 12. I do not do Magic Fang. Okay, so unfortunately, you have difficulty enunciating correctly, and your spell fizzles as you're trying to cast it on Gorger. And then we're going to move to the side, and I'm going to drop my sling bullets for her. Nice. Do you think this is this type of situation that I have this guy in a gem for? Oh, yes, I think this (laughs) (laughs) Like, use the gem! Okay. (laughs) It's my turn? It is. I'm going to crack open the gem. As you blast this gem down onto the ground, it smashes into a million pieces just from the force of your powers, even though it's not quite near her. It's about 20 feet away is where your mind flings it. Out from the remnants of this gem comes what at first you just think is a shimmer for a second, and then you realize it's a massive rush of air. Please fight her. A very large, about the size of your dogs, you would wager to say, air elemental starts pounding on her as it flies towards her and just strikes once and then flies past her. Yay! And do either of you have Aran as a language? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Okay. Well, you see it rush past her, and unfortunately, the creature that was Stella Conaberry gets right underneath of it as this rushing force of wind flies well past her and starts looping around again with what looks like just a writhing fury. Cool. That's the only thing I could do, right? Correct. At this point, you do have your dog, however. Um, 
I can I get onto yes sir and have him start heading closer but not attack. I want him to wait to attack until I'm ready to attack again. Yeah, you can do that. You can start making a move action with him to advance forwards. Okay. Do you have any of the magic fang potions? Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, I'll do that instead. I'll give him a magic fang potion. Oh, okay. You glugged a magic fang potion right down his throat. I'm like, drink, beautiful. <laughs> okay, good. I think I know what I'm going to do next. I have an idea. Okay. Let's see. It's scary. This place is scary. <laughs> I like how she's like, is this a situation for the gym? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was. I don't want to use it like immediately, but this seems like a situation. I was like, well, if we don't use it immediately, we'll never use it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> At this point, Stella turns and opens the maw that she has again at you, Lupo. But this time you see there is a singular horrible green eye on the inside of this thing's multi-defanged mouth. It's like a maze of fangs, and I need you to make me a will save. Against fear? No. Oh, 14? Lupo, you really think it's a good idea to kill your cousin. Thanks to protection from evil, however, as you think that, your mind immediately snaps to, no, that's actually a terrible idea. Why would you even say that? (laughs) No, I won't do that. I tell her. I'll pull out some grave dirt, and over her, I'm going to cast Dust of Twilight. That's fortitude, right? Yes, 16. You hurl that soot right into her big open maw. What does that do? If she fails or save, she's fatigued. Nice. Immediately, the creature begins making gagging sounds as a mass of soot starts pouring out of its maw. Then we're going to move closer. I'm going to wait to do magic thing on my dog. So you can actually attack her. Remembering how Wolfsong worked so well against the clown where nothing else had worked that well. I think if he's going to pull out Wolfsong and go into fight. Okay. Now, do you want to charge her on top of yes, sir? I'll send yes, sir first to attack and then I'll attack. Okay. So he gets a 24 to attack. With magic fang too. So that's an additional plus one. And that's for 14 damage plus trip. He leaps up and bites the bottom part of where her chin used to be off and just exposes a big gaping hole in the strange alien maw on what's left of Stella Conaberry. If he's like, remember, yes, sir. (laughs) It got real close. And then does he trip her? Roll your combat maneuver. (laughs) Y'all are fighting nothing but ghosts from here on out. (laughs) 24? Cure serious wound. Cure serious wound. As he grabs and pulls on where her chin used to be, he just yanks this creature off of her feet again. Now, I would like to charge the now prone Stella, please. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't be this fun. <laughs> She's so scary. That's what we're like. <laughs> She's so scary. <laughs> That's a 19 plus 2 from charge. Go ahead and roll for your damage. For 11 points of damage. Iffy, as you run directly over towards where this creature is and raise up your blade, you can see it try and lift its maw up at you. And then you just bring the blade down completely and end up slicing right through the front of its face. Is it dead? It dies. And on the edge of your blade is a chain with a broken monocle on it. Mm. I'm going to grab a sock maybe or something and use my TK to stuff it in there because I don't want to touch it. Monocle seems like bad news. Yeah, I do not like this monocle. 
then I'm going to put it in my bag with my other awful items. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. awful item sack. <laughs> oh, let's get out of here quick. Does she have anything else on her? Like a way to get back home? She does not have, from what you can see, a way to get back home. No. You do see some bags of coin. Take those. Is it our money back? Lupo, you're very familiar with two bags of this coin. <laughs> so you regain all the money that you used to bribe her with, plus an like additional... like $300? No, it was, from what I understand, like 100 gold pieces. Yeah. 100? Okay. Yeah. And there's an additional 20 on top of it for what it's worth. You also find two other items of note that she was carrying. The first is a spell book, and the second is a wand. He's trying to see if she can see the air elemental. Is it still around? Once the threat of Stellaconavari has been defeated, it goes flying off into the distance. It still seems very mad. We have more things we're going to probably fight. You can totally die in battle with us. I piss off so There's many the people. In, the, in a coffin in there if you want to fight him. Yeah, he seemed real angry too. <laughs> yeah, it does not pay attention to you as it flies off. <laughs> You feel this might have been some kind of defective elemental gem? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Go live your best life, dude. Fight the good fight. There's plenty uh, here to do it with. Well, it's yeah, trapped uh, in Ravenloft now, too. Oh, poor thing. Does it know? Is that why it's mad? It knows. You guys don't. No, we're like, it's home. The wand, what did that do? I'm going to do a spellcraft on it with, with detect magic. Okay, this is an oak and rose quartz wand. Ooh. What's that do? You know that this is a wand of lesser restoration. Oh, how many charges? It has 16 charges on it. It's a good amount. You can keep that. There's no way I can do magic. It can dispel effects, reducing one of the subject's ability scores, or cure 1d4 points of temporary ability damage, eliminate fatigue, and improves exhausted to fatigue. Wait, did you get your intelligence back already? Not yet. Would this fix that? It would. Cast level three? Correct. Yeah, I'll use that on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see. And now we don't have to be so worried if we fight the greys. Yeah, you regain four points of intelligence, so all of it back. Yay. There were no weapons on her or anything like that? The only weapon that she had on her was a dagger. It looked like the daggers that she had, she had a number of surgical blades as well and a pack on her, like vivisectionist blades. But the dagger, it looks like it is currently coated in some kind of poison. Ooh. I'll wrap that up in something as well, I guess. Yeah, it's sheathed. It. it looks like there's actually a little groove in the sheath that's specifically made to pour a poison down along so it can poison the blade easier. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you reckon that the sheath itself is worth probably more than the blade. Oh, cool. How hard are you? Not. I'm good. Okay. And I'm going to put that in the bag. I'm going to put the surgical blades too, because I don't know, maybe someone would want to play money for surgical blades from a mad doctor. Yeah. Maybe we could charge 200 skulls for them in our shop. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, let's get out of here. We don't know how to get home yet. Yeah. Should we go ask Coffin guy? I don't want to talk to that guy. I don't think he was a nice guy. I don't think anyone here is nice. Except for talks for herself. Yeah, maybe we can find it in the asylum because that, that was here and there, right? Well, you do know one thing. You're close to the ghettos based on the path that you were taking. 
out of character, I don't remember if we started focusing on the ghettos because we both just thought that seemed like of all the options, the best option, or if it genuinely was presented as something important. Well, it was presented as the place adjacent to the asylum that you're looking for. Okay, yeah, let's go check out this asylum because maybe there's something there about how it got here. Mm -hmm. Plus, we got a map. It doesn't take you too long to reach the portion that you know to be the ghettos, and you notice that almost immediately, the homes in the area become even more ramshackle. And as you're traveling through the area, you start seeing eyes inside of these homes that appeared abandoned. And there's so many eyes all around you, watching you, constantly watching you. We're two halflings that live in areas and have traveled in areas where halflings are not common. I think at this point, we're kind of familiar with this feeling of eyes. I'm on my dog. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be on our dogs. You notice that the roads just keep getting narrower until it becomes a maze of alleyways that you folks are heading through. You see every once in a while, there's an item that looks like a pile of boxes or something, but from a certain distance, especially with how dark it is out, it'll usually look like a looming figure in the background. Mm. Is it getting dark? I'm going to do light. As you cast your light spell, you see something streaking off in the distance. You're reaching what looks like an intersection of a bunch of narrow alleyways, and you realize that these are getting so narrow that it's almost to the point where you couldn't stand two abreast of one another in these alleyways. Oh. Do you remember the wax museum? This place reminds me of that. Like, everything is supposed to be really scary and dark and awful, you know? No. Ahead of you, you see a glowing bluish crackle of energy. As you realize, there are several things spinning around in a circle off in the distance. Your light illuminates a number of heads down one of the alleyways, and they open a portal this time. But where? Well, you can't really tell where the portal goes to, because as a bunch of mist rolls out of it, you see a singular figure step out of it. It is a gnarled and ancient-looking figure that's wearing what look like ragged robes. Wasn't there a crone or something in charge of the ghettos? There was. Was Did I actually remember something? You did remember something. Go you. Melanda the witch. You hear a voice coming from the din. You hear, <laughs> Looks like somebody's decided to go and trespass in the ghettos. In the ghetto. <laughs> in the ghetto. <laughs> and his mama cries. <laughs> We have to, like, kill her so we can leave? Or what? I don't understand. You see this figure start coming towards you in the light that Lupo's giving off. And it is a tremendously withered-looking woman with dusky grayish-colored skin. She has all kinds of different bones and other strange items in her very kinky, dark hair. And she is carrying a staff that has, amongst other things, what look like several severed heads dangling from it. You can see that along it are at least two of those spiders you had seen moving across the different dreams and the ring of dreams. And as she gestures towards the two of you with it, she says, you're not supposed to be here. We're trying to leave. We don't. I will pull down my scarf and I will say, we do not mean to trespass. We are looking for a way home. We didn't mean to be here. Well, then maybe since the children are so polite, the punishment won't be so harsh for them. She starts stalking forward slowly, and you can see the heads starting to circle around here. 
One of them comes over and starts whispering in her ear, and she cocks her head to the side. She says, be honest with dear Granny Mulonga. Did you hurt my babies? Depends. Are your babies heads or grays or... They had attacked us, right? Well, as you see her reach up, she starts caressing one of the severed heads that had just whispered into her ear. So you're pretty certain you know what the babies are. In self-defense, unfortunately. Well, then it looks like you're going to have to find me replacements, aren't you? We have three on the way. No, we don't. (laughs) No, we don't. Sorry, I won't say that. Wow. Hold <laughs> on. We're going to throw up a T-shaped signal right here because that's bonkers. I know. I said it like, that's not me. That's not Lupo. That's not Lupo. <laughs> that was Mogget, maybe, but not Lupo. <laughs> Wowzers. You really threw me with that one. That's why I was quiet. Do you just need skulls? Well, I prefer the entire thing, but if it's just heads that you bring, I think we can work it out. Granny Malonga is kind. Are any heads good or? Has to be something like you, dear. Got to be living and not one of those dream selves. I want real skulls. She... Can you go like to and from Darkon or like Mordaunt in those places? She sneers at you a little bit when you ask her that question. I don't really know how to get a whole bunch of skulls here because I haven't seen a lot of people, but I know I can get you lots of skulls there because there's tons of people. So what if we got you six skulls if you got us over there? Ify, by the way, is not bluffing at all. She legit is like, I'm sure I can find six people. We have left dead. some dead bodies. Yeah, we've left a bunch of dead bodies. Like odds are we're probably going to kill six more people. So if she's willing to be a little patient, I know I can get her those heads. She reaches inside of her robes and pulls out what looks like a very wrought-looking sand glass. Oh, no. She flips it over. When this runs out, if I don't have my heads, I'm collecting yours. How fast is it running? Do I know? Can't see that? It looks like it's going to take, based on your evaluations, because it's letting very little sand out an hour to fill that up. She wants to fight. We can just fight. Do you say that to her? I'd say it's a Lupo because if he 100% does not consider the doctor, his wife and kid as options, they haven't met a single other living person besides them. If she takes us back back to the asylum. Are you two speaking in halfling? Yes. Okay. Because she speaks to you in it. Yeah, of course. Everybody speaks halfling. (laughs) Anybody worth their salt knows it. Well, no, she's doing that thing where she's speaking and it sounds like it's in halfling, but it's only because it seems like she could maybe be speaking to anybody. Yeah. But like, if she's only going to give us an hour to find three people, kill three people, not kill three people, I still don't get if she needs the head on them or dead already. But either way, if we're going to have to find three people, find their heads and bring them back to her within an hour, we've been here for like a whole day and we haven't even met anyone. So that seems unrealistic. I'm not going to bother playing any more games with you children. And as she says that word, the two of you start shrinking a little bit. Oh my God, if he's so excited, does she get to be a kid again? So do your dogs. Yeah, puppies, Paw Patrol. Honestly, if he's kind of excited, this is kind of a really fun thing for her. She's like, I thought I'd never get to be a kid. She's the worst person to do this to. I'm sorry. <laughs> if he's just the worst. God, I hate this. Puppies! We're not going back. Yes, sir. You're so cute as a puppy. I forgot. 
Malanga and the flying head seem to grow as the two of you shrink and your clothing and weapons become big in your hands and on your bodies. Good thing I'm a titan mauler. (laughs) (laughs) The two of you realize that you have been reverted. And as Malanga looks at you and cackles, she says, Now you better be careful, dearies. There's a whole lot of problems out in these alleyways for children. And as she's saying that, the portal opens back up as the heads spin it for Malanga. And she just laughs as she steps through. And the two of you hear something off in the distance, as do your puppers. And as you look at either end of the intersection of alleyways that you're in on two sides, there are huge cats. Just how big are those alley cats? What other tricks does Malanga have in store for the Cthulhu cousins? And just when the heck will they ever get out of the nightmare lands? Find out the answers to some of these questions and more on the next episode of Ravenloft Tiny Terror. Ravenloft is a registered trademark owned by Wizards of the Coast Incorporated. The Pathfinder role-playing game is trademark of Paizo Incorporated. Our theme song, Spooky Halloween Trailer, was composed by Toy Invention and is used under a commercial license that includes sync licensing. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always email us at realplaygamespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at realplaypod. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash realplaygamespod and get early and exclusive content in exchange for helping us pay the rent.